I'm going to talk about sin this morning. Like, yeah, feels pretty good. Yeah, and if you got a lot, you don't, you don't want to hear me talk about it. But if you're living clean and want to be cleaner, you think, yeah, yeah. Sin will, sin will pervert you, it'll dirty you. Uh, you. You can't trust any bit of it. Um, sin is like a virus. It's like a disease. It's a pathogen. It's an infection. It'll get in you. It'll eat parts of your life away. And as I think about it, when COVID hit, uh, I still had to do a lot of traveling. And so I traveled all through COVID. I didn't get to go international, but I flew to Michigan and Texas. I flew to Michigan three or four times a year through COVID. And the one good thing about COVID was that those airplanes have never been so clean in my entire life. I mean, spotless. You just lick, lick that tray table if you want, because you know they cleaned it. And everybody's afraid to sneeze or cough and is paranoia. And uh, it's pretty, <laughs> it pretty surreal time. Airports were empty, which was glorious. Probably wasn't so good for the airline, but what did they care? We were writing checks like Democrats, even though we had a Republican in the office just to bail them out. Uh, there's your Republican conservatism for you. Let's just bail everybody out while we write checks to a false vaccine. But we don't want to talk about that because, you know, some of us believe the lie and if we have regrets, it's because we got vaccinated and now the vaccines we got are outlawed. Wow, nobody saw that coming except all your conspiracy-minded uncles. That aside, <laughs> we were flying, uh, we went to Seattle a few weeks ago, then Iowa, so we've flown a lot lately again. And uh, Lydia got in the seat next to me. She said, ooh, what is this that's sticky? <laughs> and my heart said, I wish COVID was back. I wish, because when everybody was fearful of COVID, everything was clean. You'd get on the airline and they'd hand you wipes. They're like, please take them and wipe down everything. And I just get them and wipe, you know, I take down your mask. You know, it's just, I think most of the world wants to admit what we did the last three years was lunacy. That aside, I don't want to get off on a tangent. If you can hate sin like that, you'll be wiping things down everywhere you go. You'll be scrubbing everything, scrubbing your playlist, scrubbing your friends, scrubbing anything, your book collection, scrubbing it. My pastor calls it demon bait. Anywhere you can find demon bait, you'll get rid of it. And we just, we have to hate sin with a passion. The Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We only know what sin is because it has to be pointed out. And Sometimes when you're partial to your sin, you get offended when the preacher or the parent or the discipler, the coach, the coworker points out your sin. And in that regard, when we get offended when sin is exposed, really what it points out is not just the sin, but the idolatry behind the sin. And uh, I'm going to use a gross example, so brace yourself. I'm not doing it for gross effect, though I have been known to do that. Um, you know, it's summertime, so everybody's grilling out a lot. God bless America. I love the smell of charcoal burning, and even though I have propane or yeah, natural gas, still love the smell of it. So you're always in and out of your back deck grilling, and you're bringing steaks or burgers in and out, and you're always leaving them out, and with the in and out comes the flies. And it was about three or four years ago, I first got to actually see what fly, I was on the internet, saw what fly larvae look like when they're laid down. And of course, that becomes maggots. And fly larvae it's very symmetrically, geodesically laid down in perfect little rows, and they look like just little tiny grains of rice set. They're a little off-white, almost a little cream color. And I saw that. I went, oh, those grow into maggots, which gag me with the spoon. And then my mind's going, and how many times have we eaten a steak or a burger? Then we saw those things on there. And I thought, I've done that a lot. Once I looked and saw what little little fly larvae look like laid down, my mind could think about lots of times as my childhood, I'd go grab a burger or steak or whatever and go, oh, what, what the, is that garlic? What is that little? I was offended at myself for not knowing earlier. But if you'd have been the one to say, hey, don't eat that, what you're about to eat, that's fly maggots. I wouldn't have been offended at you either. I'd have said thank you. But yet, with what I'm about to teach, I'm going to offend some of you because you like eating maggots spiritually. Now, I won't hit it too specifically, but as we were praying right there, and I've got several notes on sin, the Lord began to deal with me about music. And I haven't touched on this in quite a while. 
So everybody here enjoys music to some degree. But if you listen to any kind of secular music, I want your antenna up and I want you to listen to me very carefully because I have a word from the Lord for you. I'm not against all secular music. My playlist has a lot of jazz, which is secular. It isn't worshiping the devil or teaching me to worship the devil. It's Louis Armstrong. It's a little bit of Miles Davis. Not everything of Miles Davis do I have. Ella Fitzgerald, Duke Ellington. I've got Gershwin. I've got a lot of classic music on there. I have secular classic music. Um, I have some stuff from the 60s that I like. I don't listen to it a lot. And I have some early 80s and 90s hip hop, which is clean. And that I have to watch. But the Lord is dealing with me right now about music. And you need to know the spirit you're fellowshipping with. So i got a couple of stories I'll tell you, just so that you know there's no such thing as innocent music. It all is moving something. It's all moving something. Musicians sit, I, this is the new term I've been using, musicians, especially worship leaders, they sit in the seat of Satan. Satan was the original worship leader. We know that from Isaiah and Ezekiel. He's not happy about losing that position. And Certainly there's some famous musicians in history that are known as madmen because they were just demon-possessed and lunatic. Even one of the most famous, like I would not encourage you to listen to Richard Wagner, even though it's classical, because he was very much involved in the occult. Night on Bald Mountain is about a Satanist occult practice um, written by a Russian composer. It's all about the chaos of summoning demons on Bald Mountain. Uh, so it's not just modern music that can have a very negative influence. There's... There's even certain worship music we won't do here because it's not a pure spirit. Even the first song we did is by a Christian worship team that we very strictly regard, uh, carefully don't use anything but that one song because most of the people on that worship team are sexual deviants or smoking dope or drunk. And I'm not really interested in, in regurgitating music they got from a drunken orgy, even though they speak Christianese. Uh, everybody knows Hillsong has since radically imploded because of sexual deviancy, drugs, alcohol, and embezzlement. So Hillsong's is a compromise. I wouldn't do any of their modern music at all. So that's me being strict on modern worship music. That's not to say every hymn from the Methodist hymnal will bring God into place. Because some of it, God says, I'm not on that either. I mean, you were doing moonshine when you wrote that one there. <laughs> or addicted to whiskey and beating your wife. And I don't know which ones those are. I'm just making that up. But you know it's there. <clears throat> so... Uh, let me just share with you a couple stories. My first, when I first began to recognize music was negative, is uh, on my first mission trip to Mexico in 1992. We went to Mexicali, Mexico, border town outside San Diego, Tijuana, a little bit in, in, in country, inland. And I was at the little market there right before we crossed over, and I discovered Bob Marley. Never heard of him until then, but I found the tape, and I thought, I like reggae. I used to listen to a Christian rapper named Shinehead, the reggae guy. He has some good stuff. I haven't listened to his music in 25 or 30 years. So I, maybe I'd heard of Bob Marley, so I grabbed his Legend album, and that began a love affair I had, not literally because he died in the 80s, but with his music. I bought everything Bob Marley ever produced. I could still sing you every lyric today. I read his biography. Uh, anyway. When I rededicated my life, so I was 15, listened to his music, 16, 17, 18. When I rededicated my life to Christ at 18, one of the first things the Lord said was get rid of all the Bob Marley music. Though some of his stuff is earlier stuff because he's raised in a Baptist church uh, before he became a Rastafarian, worshiped Haile Selassie, the emperor of Ethiopia who died of starvation in a prison cell, who even said, I am not the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Why are you worshiping? Y'all are nuts. You just want to smoke dope and grow dreadlocks. And by the way, I am against dreadlocks. The Rastafarians grow them to look like the line of the tribe of Judah. So there's a spiritual element to it. And there's a spirit of rebellion in our nation. Is that right? You, you were in the drug scene for a long time. Your brother had dreadlocks and is a drug addict. Can there be neutral dreadlocks? Haven't met one yet. Just my two cents worth and my experience. This is my truth right now. <laughs> Plus it's my pulpit. His earlier stuff would quote a lot of scripture. The sun shall not smite thy by day, nor the moon by night. Great song, love it. Uh, but it was his earlier kind of Baptist stuff before he became a demon-worshipping Rastafarian. And even though all this, a lot of his songs talk about we be forever loving Jah, when they said Jah, which is short for Jehovah, they meant Rahali Selassie. 
Jaw Rastafari. That aside, God, when I rededicated my life, God scrubbed almost all my secular music, and I lost hundreds and hundreds of dollars of Bob Marley music and tapes and CDs. And it was my first real heave offering, my first real trip to the dump. I loaded all of it up. I also had a Nigel print, which was worth a lot of money. He was a famous artist in the 80s and 90s. I had his stuff and my Bob Marley stuff, and I loaded up in my Volvo sedan and took it to the dump over there by the, uh, behind an apartment complex, and I just put it in the dump for the Lord because I was getting my life cleaned up for Jesus. And I realized, so if he's telling me, and listen, I'm a Baptist boy, not even spirit-filled yet, and the Lord is drawing my attention to my Bob Marley collection, my Ned Jail print, and he's saying, get rid of it. Get it out of your room. And I obeyed him as a back, and I was, I was, I was a freshly rededicated Baptist boy. And then I met Pastor Darren. Of course, I learned about worship in this church because this is where I went in the 90s. Then I met Pastor Darren. He was my pastor for a long time and still a good friend of mine. He's out in Oregon now. And he talked about when he went to Christ for the Nation's Bible Institute, which is in Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, they had a no secular music policy, no secular music whatsoever. You could not play secular music on their campus. You would be kicked out. No questions. And he told me about uh, when he went to high school in Forest Grove, Oregon, this was in the 80s. He's about five or six years older than me. So in the early 80s, Journey was really big. And he said, every day I went to school, they played Journey before classes. I don't know if they still play music before school starts. That was a big thing in the 80s and 90s. Intercom systems took off, and we would have music playing in Seattle. I, I went to high school in Seattle. So he said, every day before class, they'd play Journey. Whoever had the PA system liked Journey. And he said, I got to know the spirit on that music very well. He was a preacher's kid. He says, a vibe. There's a spirit on Journey's music. Secular. I mean, that's, that's sex music right there. Now, maybe not by today's standard, but if you had big hair and acid jeans in the 80s, that was sex music. That's baby-making music. And not like Barry White baby-making music, but it's like white trash baby-making music. <laughs> Black people don't listen to Journey. They listen to Barry Manilow. Oh, not Barry Manilow. That's gay people. Uh, Barry White. <laughs> and a lot more happening at the Copacabana than you think. It's a Barry Manilow song. Come on, you got to stay with me here. My mind is a lot more than just scripture. So he said he was at Christ for the Nation, and his roommate back in those days, before Beats was everything, we had really big, the big green headphones with the long curly cue and the jacks that were gold plated and about this long, look like a carrot, plug it into your record player. Those things were, well, they weren't noise canceling, they were just noise dissolving. You, you put those things on, you'd be in your own world. And people, I listened, I grew up listening to music on these huge. Uh, RCA headphones. He said his roommate had those, and he would always be listening to music. And he, Pastor Darren said one day he came back into his dorm, and he felt that same spirit that he knew from junior high and high school from Journey. And he said he called out to his roommate, who he had to room with. He didn't know the guy before they became roommates. He said, turn that off. What? Turn that off. He said, what are you talking about? You're listening to secular music. I am not. He said, yes, you are. You're listening to Journey. And the guy got really freaked out. How do you know? He said, because it's producing the same demon spirit in this dorm room it did in my high school. And you know we have a no music, no secular music policy at this college, this Christian college. Turn it off or I'm reporting you. Now think about that. That's, that was probably 1989 for Pastor Darren, maybe 1990. He went to Raymond, 90, 91, 92. So late 80s. That's pretty powerful. In 1996, I went to Poland on a mission trip and we had the uh, privilege of leading a Satanist named Peter, Petra, a Satanist, a 20-year-old Satanist to Christ. He came to an outdoor crusade we were doing, and uh, he was drawn to me for whatever reason. Uh, he had a bunch of uh, shirt. He had a shirt on that had Jesus' head with a bunch of nails driven into the top of it. So I knew this kid was weird. He was, he was basically what we call emo or gothic. He had on a leather jacket. It's August in Poland. It is not cold, but he's got to be cool leather jacket, and then his shirt is, is very blasphemous. And later he pulled up, he had another shirt underneath it. It had Jesus Christ crucified upside down and all of his entrails pulled out. So as he, we start to witness to him, we spent four hours ministering to this kid, me and Anya, this girl who was my translator, and she was just, she helped us. Um, 
Come to find out he was a Satanist, part of a Satan satanic church. He wanted out. He was terrified. He was drawn to our outdoor concert crusade because he wanted out of Satanism. Uh, what the final straw for him was that they had just sacrificed a baby to Satan there in, we were in War, uh, Warsaw, Poland. Uh, they had just sacrificed a baby in their co uh, covenant, whatever you call them, convent. And uh, that was too much for him. A family in the satanic church had an infant and they killed it for Satan. Stuff's legit. This is 1996 in Poland. He was terrified he wanted out. So I asked him about the shirt. He said, well, this is my favorite American band. And I can't even, I never heard of it. Can't even remember the name of it, but these were the shirts they produced. So they were strictly satanic. They was a satanic band. And uh, I said, where are they from? He said, America. I said, what are they called? He told me the name. I didn't know that. I didn't recognize them. I said, you listen to them a lot? He said, all the time. Are they in English or Polish? English. Do you understand it? This is all through a translator, by the way. He said, I don't understand anything they're saying. And he said, but I'll tell you some weird things happen when I listen to their music. He said, when I first started listening to their music, uh, they, listening to the music would cause my heart to flutter and do palpitations and go all over the place. He said, the more I would listen to their music, he said, I can even put headphones on so that no, nobody else can hear it. He, he said, playing it out loud, I thought was drawing things to my house. So I decided to listen with headphones on so nothing could hear it outside. He said, but when I put headphones on, it still continued to happen, which kind of taught me, I'm 19 or 20 on this mission trip, that the demons can hear when mom and dad can't. He said, I'd put headphones on, and he said, and I would feel entities come in and out of my body. I could feel demons possess me and leave me and possess me and leave me. This is listening to music he can't even understand the words to. So we end up praying with him. Uh, he was raised Catholic. And the Catholic Church in Poland is maybe not what I would call a good Catholic experience. Um, his hang-up, we gave him the gospel. Again, we spent four hours ministering to him. His hang-up was that he didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And he said, I said, why not? He said, well, I'd never heard that before. And I said, well, it's in the Bible. He said, well, I've never seen that before. And I said, well, if I could show it to you in the Bible, would you believe it? He said, well, if it's in the Bible, it's true. This is a Satanist. So I was like, well, let me show you. And then I went brain dead. I thought, where's that in the Bible? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have enough scripture. I just rededicated my life. I just like read through the New Testament once. And, it, and then I realized, it's got to be at the end of the Gospels. That's my, that's my lightning. I'm like, it's got to be. I'm like, I need a Bible. And I'm like, which one? Anyone should do. Any, any, any one of those Gospels should do. I'm pretty sure he's raised from the dead in the end of all four of those Gospels. <laughs> And so I just flipped through, and we found it in the Polish Bible, and Anya read it, and he said, oh, okay, I believe. And just like that, we prayed with him, and Peter got saved, and then we had to take up a shirt offering to give him shirts, because all he had were these satanic shirts. I have a picture of him, me, him, and Anya somewhere. I hope maybe I can find it and bring it tonight. And uh, this kid, Peter, got born again. My friend, Greg Seegers, who is responsible for getting me to this church in October of 95, and then I came back in 96 and then stayed here. He was telling me he was raised Pentecostal. He didn't get spirit-filled until after I did. This is my friend that got spirit-filled in a dream when we were backpacking. He got spirit-filled, spoke in tongues in a dream, woke up, said, I guess I'm spirit-filled, started praying in tongues. Next, I like to think it's because he was laying next to me, and I was so anointed in our sleeping bags. I was like Elisha. We're just raising Greg from the dead. Not true, but maybe, a little. Makes me feel better about myself. Greg was telling me he was a backslider in high school, and he used to listen to Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode is an Irish rock band from the British Invasion. And you mostly would know maybe one or two of their songs, and they had a weird vibe about them. Um, yeah, the one song's going through my head, and I can see the music video. Beautifully shot in the hills of Ireland, Scotland. It's all rainy, dreary, which is, describes their music. And so Greg wasn't spirit-filled, but his mama was a UPC, United Pentecostal Mama, and very in tune with the Holy Ghost. And he said at the end of one of Depeche Mode's albums, which, by the way, was always weird, they had a session at the end of the album where they taught you how to transcendentally meditate. Once again, headphones on. You parents that let your kids listen to stuff with headphones, you're stupid. I don't know how to subtly say it. You're stupid. The demons know what your kids are listening to. You're trusting them. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. So Greg, once again, I don't know why all these stories have headphones in them. They just... I don't make these stories up. They just are what they are. And the Lord dealt with me about this during prayer there. 
So Greg's in his room. He's telling me this when we're in geology majors together. He said, I got my headphones on, and I'm just like getting cozy, doing everything these Irish guys. I'm pretty sure Depeche Mode's Irish. Irish or Scottish. They're European. They're British. Irish. Irish. We'll say Irish. Google me. Check me. Pretty sure Depeche Mode's Irish. He said, I'm getting all warmed in, and I'm starting to transcendentally meditate. I'm repeating what they're repeating. And all of a sudden, my mother barges in the room. What are you listening to? The Holy Ghost said, you're bringing demons in my house. Nothing, mama, nothing. Give it to me. Tape deck. Give it to me. That's going to hell. Spirit-filled? Well, mama's spirit-filled. See, you, there's no such thing as neutral music. No such thing. Even, even a, a Mozart symphony moves you. Even an opera will make you go, oh, what are they doing? It's an Italian, and it's horrible. Can the fat lady hurry up and sing so we can be done with this? Oh, how did Pavarotti make so much money off of this? This is horrible. Music moves you. Either takes you back to a place where you shouldn't have been in the first place or puts you in the presence of God or it brings a demon. And uh, there's, uh, there are styles of music that nothing good can ever come of. And I like a lot of beats. I like African music. I have a lot of uh, African worship. I like hip-hop. I like the beats of hip-hop. I like Latin music. And there's a couple Latin songs I have. And when I don't know the words, I take it to Gadiel or I take it to Hannah. I say, listen to this because my kids like this music. Tell me, is it neutral? Are we just kind of doing like, yeah, I like to dance. Let's dance, dance, dance. And yeah, or whatever, be you. You know, there's some stuff. We, I, I make sure anything we have at our house, we're checking it. Even though it's neutral, it still puts you in a peppy mood. Or it can be a depressing song and put you in a depressed mood. Old country music, that was depressing music. It fed on poverty. Hip-hop music feeds poverty. We had one young man here who uh, came out of the, the real hood of Chattanooga. Like, like he stole cars when he came to tech. Like he, I met his mama. His mama was only 13 years older than him. That's his inner city experience. And a uh, great young man, tremendous mind, engineering major. And I would teach a little bit of this. He'd go home to Chattanooga. He would go to Chattanooga. He'd come back, and his English would be so incoherent that you couldn't understand. Some of you know who I'm talking about. You remember these days. You couldn't understand what he was saying because he'd been rewashed in his culture. Now, not to say the accent is bad because you can go to Scotland and pick up an accent so think nobody can hear it. But when you're living in the country that you're born in, we should be able to understand you. And he would come back and say, Pastor Chris, you're right. I listen to that music and it makes me proud. It makes me want to defend how I was raised. His experience was so corrupt. God bless his mother. She's a sweet lady. Uh, and God bless him. He didn't... He didn't he wasn't in charge of where he was born or how he was born or where he was raised. And thankfully, he's gone way beyond that. But he said, that music, hip-hop music, it makes me proud of the hood. It makes me want to defend the hood. and makes me want to say just basically, F you all. He said, that music will keep me there, and I can't listen to it anymore. His experience is so stereotypical. He's, he told me, he said, Pastor, you don't understand how ghetto I am. He said, I didn't realize my lifelong best friend was my half-brother until our grandfather died, and we compared notes that we were going to the same funeral that weekend and realized we had the same grandfather. That's how inner city. But he said about hip-hop music, it makes me proud of a sinful culture. And he said, I won't escape it if I keep listening to it. That may offend you because that's your idol. But I just beat up on country music. You know, the joke is if you play country music backwards on a record player, you get your wife back, you get your dog back, you get your trailer back, you get your tractor back, you get your life back, you get your teeth back. <laughs> music is powerful, so we don't play games with music. And it's a small price to pay. Lord, if this music displeases, if this music is destroying me, delete. Are you sure? Yes. Are you really sure? Yes, yes, yes. You don't have anything to give a heave offering anymore, but some of you would do you well to maybe come up to the altar during a service and just say, Lord, look at everything I've highlighted for you. Forgive me for being this naive, this dumb, this foolish. And I'm going to hit delete 
to obey you. And honestly, don't expect anything in return but freedom. You will become what you listen to over and over and over and over again. I, I used to, there was a British, uh, um, a, a British Christian techno band called Worldwide Message Tribe. And they had a lot of techno music. I used to like techno. I ran with a bunch of Asians in Seattle. They love techno music. And so just running around at high speed, listening to techno, it kind of put it in me. But then when I started watching a lot of Jackie Chan and Jet Leaf movies, I was like, techno movie makes me want to fight. So I'd listen to Worldwide Message Tribe, and I'd want to fight. And I don't know why. I just like Kung Fu. I don't know, like Mortal Kombat, and I want to go fight somebody. <laughs> and even though they're talking about Jesus, I still want to go fight somebody. Even though the lyrics are Jesus, the music is, just look at me wrong, and I'm going to just try something. <laughs> you have to be very, very, very careful about the music you listen to. Every culture produces a, le- a form of perverse music. Every culture there's no culture exempt, not, not, not grunge culture, not Christian culture, not gospel culture. You know how many gays are in the gospel music industry? Not country, not bluegrass, not hip-hop, not black, not R&B. Everybody produces some kind of perverse culture. I was in high school in the 90s. There was a band back then called Color Me Bad. It was, kind of a, it was diversity before diversity was cool. Because you had a black guy and a white guy and a Hispanic guy, and the guy looked like Kenny G. He was the kinky-haired guy. He had the black guy who could sing really good, and then there was a guy that looked like uh, um, George Michael. But their famous song was called I Want to Sex You Up. And they remixed Slick Rick's Lottie Dottie. And I, I learned years later um, that when they cut that album, they specifically purposely brought in witches to dedicate the album, and what they wanted was people to lose their virginity to that song, I Want a Sexual. Now, this is one of the, like the, the top grossing songs of 91, 92, 93, uh, I Want a Sexual, Color Me Bad. Remember that, Frank? That was our era. That black guy of the band later got born again, and he told all these stories. But when he got born again, he had to have about 15 demons cast out of him by a minister. And the guy who he was telling the story, the preacher, he befriended the guy. He said, when, when I went to go cast demons out of him, the Lord told me, this is the day. He's ready for deliverance. I went to his mansion in wherever in California. He said, I walked into the black guy from Color Me Bad. I don't know what happened to the other three affirmative action hires. But... That's what it is. You got to have the token white guy, the token kinky haired guy, the token Latino, the token Michael, George Michael. Um, he said he was waiting for me rocking and he smiled at me and his grin went all the way to his ears. I could see all of his teeth. And then he said, I went, this is going to be a big demon. <laughs> this is it's going to take a while. He said it took him 20 hours to cast that demon out. That song was considered a hip hop fun song. Light. You remember it, Steve-O. You know the song. This is how powerful music is. And so you've got to really, as a parent, you've got to be careful what music your kids are listening to. Your kids don't have songs on their devices without your approval. And hundreds of flavors of any one song is obsession. My, I have a massive jazz playlist that goes from like the late 20s to about, let's see, Kind of Blue is 1955, and then Time Out is 58. So I go from like maybe the 1920s to 1960 on my jazz, and I might have 100 songs. And that's a lot of different people. That's my biggest playlist. You have hundreds of country songs. It's amazing you can even walk upright and chew bubble gum. (laughs) You wipe your chin, you're drooling tobacco spit, son. You have hundreds of hip-hop songs. It's amazing you hadn't murdered anybody. Oh, that's a stereotype. Google search country music shootings. Then Google search hip-hop shootings. You tell me there's not a demon on that culture that causes. Garth Brooks never shot George Strait. (laughs) But we still don't know who shot Tupac or Biggie Smalls. Google it. You can find a Wikipedia page dedicated to hip-hop murders. Because there's a spirit on that. Country music has its own spirit. It's poverty. It's just as adulterating as any other music. My point is this. What fellowship hath Christ with Belial? Don't get me into heavy metal music. Ozzy Osbourne passing a bowl around the audience so they all spit in it. 
then he drinks it on stage. That's the birth of heavy metal. And the heavy metal artists of the 70s studied music theory because they were actually college educated. And they found out all the Locrian modes and the diminished modes, and they wrote all their music in the depressing minor keys to help bring in darkness. So heavy metal is not that safe to listen to either. And why do you listen to it? What does it do for you? What, what itch does it tickle down in here where you have to? There's no such thing as a Christian heavy metal. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's this typical beat. Da 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 Praise God. Da 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 Praise you, Jesus. Yeah, I just feel the Holy Spirit going, huh? Huh. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, when we made this thing called music, that was not what we had in mind. <laughs> yeah, you got to be very, very careful. At least be sensitive enough to know what the music is doing. At least be sensitive enough to know what that music is doing. And ask yourself, what's the draw on your soul? What do you like about it? And how about whatever your musical flavor it is, fast it. Fast it for a month and see what it does to your mental health. See what it does to your joy level. Now, again, this is a hard stretch. I mean, this is so hard. I know we're living in the third world Pakistan where Christians are persecuted. But let's just try this for a moment. How about some of you are addicted to podcasts, and that makes you a little weird too. You should fast that. Or talk radio. You can listen to too much news. And it's just as diminishing on your soul as I mean, you sound like you have a demon. How about you fast whatever your audio appetite is for one month? How about we do a pastoral challenge and listen to nothing but proven worship? And maybe you don't need worship. Maybe you just need praise. Let that be your go-to jam. Uh, whether it, everybody can worship differently to old hymns. My mama is a Gaither groupie. She loves the Gaithers. That's great. You know, I don't know what she's going to do when they all die because they're basically propping them up right now. <laughs> She'll go back to the old VCR tapes and listen to them. And they, they have great music. Some people are Gaithers. Some people are, I don't know, gospel. Some people are like Luke. Where's Luke? What, what's that horrific stuff you listen to? What is it? Bluegrass gospel? Hey, Dr. Crystal. <laughs> That's racial appropriation. Taking my people's music. <laughs> what does Dammy call it? Banjo music? I like that oink, oink, oink. <laughs> that, I knew it was something offensive. Dammy calls bluegrass music oink, oink music. <laughs> huh? Your white people are Irish. They invented oink oink music. I think there's some permission for some oink oink gospel music, even though you have to have a translator on King of Kings Network. Lord of mercy. Ah, you listen to that, you're like, ah. I need to go home and watch Nat Geo just to bring it back up, you know. Why don't we try this? Again, my notes are for something totally different this morning. I didn't think we'd stay this long on it. But whatever your appetite is, fast it for a month. See if the demon realm will even let you. See if your flesh will even let you. See if your soul's yearning will even let you. See how much of a grip it really has. Because really, for most Christians, it's easy just to walk away from worship. Like, honestly, when's the last time you put worship music on and listen to it all day? Or like you do your secular music? Shows you how powerful music is. And like my wife was raised Paul White trash. She was raised a coal miner's daughter, which is Patsy Cline. And, and she was raised by druggies. And doesn't matter where we go, we're in some kind of white trash restaurant and they're playing her music. And she'll say, I can sing you every word of this song. If it has big hair, she can sing it. Those guys were the pre-trans guys. You don't know whether it was a guy or a girl, the way they look. Miss Amy used to have hair like that too. Whether it was Rat, Poison, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, my wife can sing every one of those songs because that was the song of where she was raised. Cold Country, Rebellious 80s. It's powerful. 
Those lyrics get in you. And you and I still can't quote scripture that easy. So that's an indictment to our faith. We can't quote scripture as readily as we can sing a Bob Marley song from 1992, though his music was written in the 70s and 80s, early 80s. There's a problem. What if we just fast whatever our, or our, our auditory appetite is, whether it's podcasts, because some of you are addicted to podcasts. You can't function without having somebody giving you their opinion or their perspective of history or current events in your ear. What if it was nothing but just worship? If you had to listen to anything at all, we really are becoming almost like ADHD in our own right. We can't just sit without looking at a device. We can't sit without having something pumped into our ear. And I don't think we realize what we're really doing to ourselves. I should give you a verse, though I've quoted some. Go to 2 Corinthians. Let's look at it from a spiritual perspective. I would also caution you in this. If all the world is flocking to a music style, I'd tap the brakes. I would, I would tap the brakes and be very cautious. Why is this so popular all of a sudden? Why is Taylor Swift set to make $300 million this year? Who, like, her music is not that good. She doesn't write any of it. Everything's auto-tuned. I mean, she's attractive, but she's not that attractive. So, I mean, what has she got going for her? Katy Perry, who was actually raised up under Dr. Barclay, and her daddy is still kind of a pastor, was submitted to Dr. Barclay. Dr. Barclay told me one time when he was at our house and Abigail was on his leg and he was bouncing Abigail, she was like two or three. He said, you know, I used to do the same thing to Katy Perry. How in the world is she that popular when she started off singing worship in church? But her first breakout song was, I kissed a girl and I liked it. And how many marriages later and how many weird things later? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, who's on projector back there? Can you pull this up in the New Living Translation? Let's read it to you from the New Living Translation. I want to begin probably... New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go verse 11. And I'll start reading it. They'll catch up. He says, Oh, dear Corinthian friends... We have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. Verse 12, there is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. That's a good place to judge yourself. Can you imagine a church would be unthankful about Paul's influence? We would almost find that impossible, but it's what Paul's dealing with. People uh, in any gener generation or dispensation can be guilty of the sin of familiarity. You don't appreciate what you've been given while you have it. You find a reason to denigrate it, equalize it, or pull it down from above. He says that there's no lack of love on our part, but you've withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open up your hearts to us, he says. So maybe what I'm saying, let me speak to you as a father concerned about kids even though this is going to offend some of you. And I know I've already said some things that were culturally insensitive, but you've been here long enough to know when it comes to cultural sensitivity, I don't really care. It's never moved me in the least bit. I grew up in Seattle. Whites were the minority. I grew up with every Asian flavor you can imagine. I've been to Africa 21 times now. Dump a lot of money into Africa. If anybody wants to question my pedigree, I don't care. I'm, it's not my fault. You're a bigot worshiping your skin color and the culture that's cursed you, Amen. whether you're white or black or Hispanic. That's not my fault. We all have to be delivered from us. Yes. Amen. 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 <laughs> and I've met black people whiter than me and white people blacker than some of you. Even in this church, some of our white folks get way darker than some of you high yellards. And I don't even know if high yellow is a racial slur or not, but I just used it. <laughs> if it isn't one and it should be one or it is one, it is one and you don't know it, it's because you haven't been taught to be offended by it. So faith hasn't come by hearing yet. I don't know. Never heard that term. Redbone's another one. Bill, is that an offensive word? Redbone? 
High yellow? High yellow is offensive? I didn't learn that one in Louisiana. I could drop some from Louisiana that would make your head spin. We don't care about color. We all got some. Nick's favorite color is pink. Went to the beach for a week, came back pink. By Wednesday, he'll be white and freckly again because that's the blessing of the Irish. <laughs> uh, Kuda is on his way to Florida. Kuda's from Zimbabwe. I said, you going down there, work on your tan? He went, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he pointed at his skin. I'm okay. <laughs> it's a joke, man. It's a joke. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Pretty simple. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? Well, what if we apply that to music? Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness. Let me pick on some white people music just to kind of balance the equation, give equity here. Jimmy Buffett is booze drinking music. You can't play that music anywhere at the beach without some old fat white woman raising up her margarita and dancing like a moron. I mean, like a whole bunch of folks from the 70s and 80s were conditioned to get drunk to Jimmy Buffett music. Wasting away again to Margaritaville. Looking for your large shaker of salt. And if they get delivered, they hear that music, and their mouth will start salivating. They'll start tasting lime and tequila, and they'll be remembering all those things they did with all those men at the beach in 75. Well, I don't know where the song came out, so like, oh, that's not when the song came out. Chill out. It's my sermon. I'm making this up as I go because my notes lie elsewhere. Doing pretty good for a made-up sermon on the spot. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. Which ought to cause you to take even closer heedance to the warning about what you're listening to. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? We often apply these passages to dating. But they apply to business dealings. They apply to sometimes even where you're going to go work. They definitely apply to your appetites of entertainment and music. Everything is written with some kind of slant anymore. And I think as long as you can keep your finger on the pulse of it, you might be all right. But movies are different because you watch a movie and you may never watch it again. Or even if you buy it, you may watch it once a year. It's not like music where your playlist over and over and over and over and over again. And that begins to program your soul. And whatever spirit was in that author, that singer, that musician was sealed in that recording. And then you just pour it right into your soul every time you hit play again. It's got, you, you got to be very careful with this music because it'll pour darkness into your soul and you'll struggle to find joy. You'll struggle to find peace. You'll struggle to find happiness, and you'll wonder, what's wrong with me? Well, your music is the drill putting holes in your bucket. Parents ought to be sensitive enough to know, this is affecting my kids. We just, my kids have been watching some of the Disney stuff from 20 years ago. <clears throat> we introduced them. I didn't introduce. I, I permitted them to watch High School Musical. Felt like it was like 15, 16, 17 years old. Some of your kids watched it. They turned out okay. So I figured, eh. And so they've watched like High School Musical 1. How many are there? Ben, why do you know that? <laughs> Your favorite color is pink too. <laughs> so I think they watched the three and then they watched one of like the offshoots. And my girls were like emulating some of the mannerisms in their responses yesterday. And I was like, I told them, I said, all right, stop talking the way you're talking. This does not fly in my home. We're not a bunch of white kids dancing around on a Disney set. You're adults in my household. So new rule. We're always making new rules. No more live action Disney musicals. So then Lydia said, what about Greatest Showman? Okay, we can do that one. We can do that live action Disney musical, but none of this high school musical stuff because you're acting like a 15-year-old that I wouldn't want to sit by on a bus. So, because it's affecting them. 
And it's an, it's a relative, obviously relative, it's an innocent movie. It's, it's just dumb high school stuff. There's no woke agenda. There's no pro-gay, pro-trans, pro-nothing. It's just love. You know, the thing, the only thing that makes me cringe is that they kiss once or twice, but my kids are getting it, that, you know, whatever. But I don't like what it's doing to my kids. And you'll let your kids listen to what for how many hours? Walk around with headphones on or earbuds in, and you have no idea who's discipling your kid because you're too lazy to disciple them yourself? Because you're too lazy to train your kids, and you let somebody else, you trust the industry with your kids, and you trust your kids with a palm device? No. But don't worry, I'll be there to get them delivered like I have been before. And I'll be there to clean up the pieces. And then I'll have to teach them how to keep their heart right towards you when they realize what a dud you were. And I'll have to teach them because I have already had to teach some of our younger adults, your parents did the best they knew. That's not what I think, Pastor. Well, you're probably not half wrong. They are a little lazy, but you still got to love them. I've had to have these conversations in our church already. Why weren't my parents better? I don't know. But you're still here and you're still alive and you're spirit-filled, so something went kind of right. Let's accentuate the positive. Keep reading. Oh, I lost my place here. My app is not happy. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None, which is why you're depressed listening to that music. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? By the very fact we give the assignment, try to do away with all your secular music for a month, and your, your heart's like, this feels like a cult. This feels like a control thing. Idol. Idol. Anything you can't lay down today is an idol. Yes, Includes food. Yeah. Fasted. Yeah. Just fat. When you, you know, I'm going to fast lunch. All of a sudden, you're like, I got to have Golden Corral. Yeah. Yes, now, if I go on a fast, we, we got to load up. Yes, Winter supplies. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I only had three portions at breakfast, so there's room for Golden Corral. We call it the Golden Trough. <laughs> Oh, I wonder what the ratio of diabetics is in that place. When you say, do without, and all of a sudden everything about you goes, ah, you have found an idol. Because you could say, Pastor, fast hip-hop. Okay. Pastor, uh, fast news. Uh, that's got a little bit of a grip on me. Okay. Pastor, fast coffee. I'm not sure if that's me breathing a sigh of okay or the demon. <laughs> Biel's a Java. He's, a <laughs> He's the Lord of the coffee. Biel just a <laughs> Biel just Java. Yeah. What partner is there this temple with idols? As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. It doesn't say don't touch their things because there are some things unbelievers produce we need. Cars, food. The entirety of our existence is touched by unbelievers. So Paul thankfully makes a distinction. Otherwise, you can see some weird church getting on a weird tangent. It says don't touch their filthy things. Don't touch that which is sinful. Don't touch that which is wicked. Don't touch their things that are corrupt and will corrupt you. Don't touch, the King James says, their unclean things. That does include their music. About the time Miles Davis turned heroin addict, I stopped with my collection. Because I don't want to listen to the trumpet coming out of a heroin heart. Billie Holiday, I love Billie Holiday, but you can hear her torment when she sings. She was a heroin addict. Died very young. Very depressed woman, had such talent. I, don't, I have one or two of her songs on my playlist. I think Georgia and maybe one others. You got to be able to tell when what you're listening to is unclean. And if you're living at home with your parents, they should be the final arbiter. We teach our kids, you live in permission land. 
My kids bring us everything. Can I put this on our tablet? Can we put this game on our tablet? Can I download this song from my tablet? Mostly it's classical music or worship because my kids play classical and worship. They get permission because I want to keep them safe. The Lord says, don't touch their unclean things, their filthy things, and I will welcome you. So what if we do touch their filthy things? Are we welcome? Not according to this verse. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. King James says, touch not their unclean things, and I will receive you. So what, what happens if you start partaking of their filth? I think all of us have seen a movie where we said, I don't need, I should have seen that. Many of us have gotten up and walked out of a movie. Even more of us just turned something off. That's fine. But when you go and buy the movie and you watch it over and over again, or you remember a movie back in the day and you remember that one scene that you think you can go find on Paramount. You can just kind of scrub to it. God doesn't welcome that. You stay there, he won't welcome you. We used to have a church member here, a great young man. He's an older man now. Uh, when superhero movies were first coming out, you had that second Batman, the one with Heath Ledger, the one where he lost his mind and picked up a demon portraying the role of a lunatic. I saw the movie. I maybe have seen it twice. I like Batman movies. I like a good action. And Heath Ledger did it. You know, it's a pretty creepy job as that Joker who's insane. Uh, one of our young men got the DVD when it came out and watched that movie every day and got himself to a very, very, very dark place that we almost couldn't screw him out of. He just screwed himself so deep into that place. Watching a movie, most of you have probably saw in the theater or since, you're like, oh, okay, that's great, Batman, whatever, Christopher Nolan, hooray. He watched it so many times, he just kept exposing himself to a man's performance that required a demon to pull off. Heath Ledger shortly committed suicide thereafter. I watched one or two of the interviews after the movie when they was you know, doing the press junket, and you said, I said, that dude's got a devil. You could tell the way he was neurotic and uncomfortable. He was just tormented. And I said, that dude picked up a devil trying to fulfill that role. Even Jack Nicholson, he said, Jack Nicholson warned me not to go dark with the role because Jack Nicholson played the Joker in 89's Tim Burton's Batman. And that was kind of a campy role. But for Jack Nicholson to tell the young man, be careful, you can get too dark with this. And he did it and killed himself. So now to take that movie and watch it over and over and over again, it's no wonder that this born-again, spirit-filled brother of ours got himself into a really dark place. He said he watched it every day, almost every day for 50 days straight, as I recall now. That's also an obsession. What drives you to watch it again the next day? Like, if I see a movie, I don't need to see it again for at least three or four or five or six years if I liked it the first time. Touch not their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father. Uh, you know, you're his kid when you obey him. Now, I know there's a positional truth, but not everybody lets their dad be a dad. Touch not their, own, their filthy thing, I'll welcome you, and I'll be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What are you doing to separate yourself from God in your music appetites? your podcast appetites, your news appetites, your movie appetites. These things are the media world, and they're all about propaganda and grabbing our hearts. Some of it is a little innocuous, but even if you're conservative-leaning, there's a slant. If you're woke-leaning, there's a slant. Even the gospel, if you listen to from one podcast to the next of Christian doctrine, there's a perspective. You can make yourself spiritually sick listening to 15 different preachers every week, and you shouldn't. You'll be crazy. I, even as well-studied as I am, I don't read after everybody, and I don't listen after everybody because you get too many opinions, and it starts to make your head spin, and I don't like a spinny head. What will you do to clean up your soul? Uh, you don't have to do it if you want to, but for some of you, it would be a really good challenge to dry up all your secular music all of your podcasting, and just listen to God's music, proven stuff. I would say anything in the last 10 years, don't listen to it. I would tell you don't listen to any Hillsong, don't listen to any Elevation, don't listen to any Maverick City. Uh, if you want to know the truth, there's a lot of sexual sin on all those groups. 
a lot of drugs. Not everybody, but they're all uh, groups. They're all companies. They're all uh, collectives of people. They're not all clean. A couple gays among the mix. We do a lot of their songs in that group that we've just mentioned. Not Hill songs. Hill songs have been dirty for 15 years. So we don't, I don't think we do any of their new stuff. Everything we do is pre-2000 because that's when they went pro-alcohol. And that's when they were still anointed was pre-2000. Maybe go back to some cleaner stuff, pure stuff, and listen to pure music if you have to listen to anything at all. If you're going to listen to oink oink music, make sure you can understand the lyrics. And if you can't understand the lyrics, ask, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why can't I interpret this? What's, Lord, I dwell among a people of strange lips and strange oinking. <laughs> I think you're like me in that you want God to welcome you. And you want God to be your father. I know we are in the new birth, but it doesn't mean we act like his kids. Just because he caused you to, he begat you again into a lively hope doesn't mean you act like his kids. And if you're going on listening to a bunch of secular weird music and watching secular weird things, like just feeding on it. We live in the day of binging. That's a good way to move your soul off its foundation and hard, hardly get it back. So maybe if you want to accept my challenge, where you, for one month, what is the day? This day is the ninth. Maybe for the next four weeks, don't listen to anything secular. Uh, maybe you need to take up that challenge with video games or that challenge with, uh, uh, with movies or TV shows. Just do a, do a media fast and replace it with Bible study and worship, praise and worship. Maybe worship, but whatever you need to. Maybe just instrumental worship. If you need to have anything at all, watch what it does to your system. Even the natural, if you'll do a cleanse every once in a while or fast or do some intermittent fasting, it's good for your system. But do that and see what happens. I, one example that keeps coming to my mind, uh, it's probably 10 years ago now, I was working out with my neighbor before he moved away and uh, he, had, he put Spotify on and he put Christian rap. And I like rap. I like Christian rap. And there was a song that came on, and we were deadlifting or something. And, uh, and the music, I mean, it was jamming. I said, Phil, I don't know who this is, but this song makes me want to throw you to the ground and pump, pumpkin stomp your head. It really, the music made me want to go ghetto. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, white people fight one way. Black people in the ghetto fight another way. A lot of stomping. And I, this music, it, the, the, the sensation came over me. We're deadlifting. We've been listening to rap music for the whole workout. And those were two-hour workouts. We've been listening to music, Christian hip-hop the whole time, but this one song comes on, and I have this strong urge, and I know it's coming from the music because I'm spiritual. I said, Phil, I want to throw you to the ground and pumpkin stomp your head like we're in the hood. Who is this? He said, that's Lecrae. And that was the time Lecrae started smoking dope, tattooing, compromising. And I said, well, he's compromised. Because the spirit on that song is violent. Like, I want to beat you so bad, Phil. Let's turn it. Let's put on some oink oink music. <laughs> At least it'll be faster. Get <laughs> <laughs> Robert up here buck dancing for us. Every kind of music even makes you dance differently. That's how powerful it is. It changes your body, how you move with it. You can't groove to oink oink music. You got to buck dance to it and embarrass Angie in Grand Central Station, New York City. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't crump to a waltz. You got to waltz to a waltz. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I should tell you there's no such thing as a neutral void or a vacuum with music. All music moves things. And you've got to be sensitive to that. So parents, here's your assignment. Check your kid's playlist. If they have 200, 300 songs of one flavor, your kid has an issue. Weird. I judge them as weird, and I judge you as negligent. Fix it, because we love your kids. Go, go a month. Go four weeks without any secular input and see what it does for your spiritual health. See what it does for your soul. And you may feel so relieved that you're like, why would I ever go back to this? Anytime I fast the news, because I'm a news junkie, I'll fast the news for a month. I feel so positive. I feel like Christ isn't coming back for another 100 years, 200 years. And then I was like, why do I go back? I go back to the news like Christ's coming back tomorrow. <laughs> He's got to. 
You've got to come back tomorrow. I mean, we can't handle any more of this. And Lord of mercy, Trump's running for president again? And it's a potential he'll win? Oh, Jesus, come back. If I fast the news, out of sight, out of mind. I feel like, man, life is good. This is the golden era of the world. Not the end of all time. It affects me. And I'm the pastor of a church that's healthy. So if it'll affect me, a minister, it'll affect you. And I have clean appetites. So judge yourself, evaluate it, and just watch what changes it does. Your music, your music affects the way you dress. Your music affects the way you think. Your music affects what you want. Music's powerful. It affects the way you move, the way you bob your head. It affects things. So let's judge ourselves and be a clean, holy people that God would receive us and call us his sons and daughters. That's worth it. And then after a month, see what stuff you want to go back to and what you just permanently scrub forever. Amen.